131 of the Better Yet Podcast. I'm Tim Crisp, your host. Better Yet! This is a long-form interview podcast featuring musicians talking about influence, talking about writing, and talking about being around. I told you, you were there. I told you we were coming back strong, baby. And to start a track, I've been holding off on playing this song at the top. For some time from the Yankee Hotel Foxtrot Sessions. But let's not bury the lead. Christina Michelle of Gougeway is on the show this week. Gougeway put out one of my favorite records of last year, a record called Burnt Sugar. Christina was here some time ago. Things came up. And now we've got an interview to share with the whole world. It's great to be back. I was happy to hear some kind words last week for our return episode with Rick McGuire from Pile. A true gem. It was nice to spend some time with Rick again. Nice to be on the side of sharing those conversations again and hearing from so many of you out there. This week, though, it's already been something. Maybe you heard. If not, here it is. On Monday, I was able to finally share it. Something that began... Way back, almost two years ago, the night of our live episode, a compilation, a compilation that we've been organizing in tribute to Wilco's Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, one of my favorite records, a record that is so heavily associated with the city of Chicago. The comp is called All of God's Money. It features some of our favorite past guests of the show, Rat Boys, Meat Wave, Adult Mom, Slow Mass, and the phenomenal one, Laura Stevenson, whose cover of Jesus, etc., premiered on Stereo Gum this week as part of the comp's announcement. We'll be letting this baby out in the world on July 10th, two weeks from today. You can find it on our Bandcamp page, better yet, podcast.bandcamp.com. It is up for a pre order right now, which includes an immediate download of Laura's Jesus, etc., cover. We're asking for $5 or more, 100% of the proceeds will be going to AIDS Foundation of Chicago, an organization servicing the needs of those in the city living with HIV AIDS. So happy to be able to help those folks out. 
and what an excuse we've come up with for doing so. I'm so humbled already by the reception and the number of pre-orders that are already in. I never know what to expect with this stuff, but I said to Jay, if we hit this number, I'd be happy. And within a couple of hours of the Lord Drag Me Live, it was pretty clear that we're going to pass that without issue. So, God. Good things are happening. Please do go on over to our Bandcamp page and have a listen to the cover. Put some tears in your eyes and consider putting an order in for a great cause. And objectively speaking, this comp kicks ass. Whatever your opinion of Wilco is, there's something in there for everyone. It's so damn good. That's at betteryatpodcast.bandcamp.com. So we're going to take next week off, 4th of July, and July 5th, my 5th sober birthday. The real reason for this season. So on the 10th, the day the comp drops, we'll be doing a special episode of the show in celebration. Get some familiar faces dropping by. It's all very exciting. All things that I've been looking at on the horizon for a while. And now we're here, baby. And we're also sponsored this week by Gold Flake Paint. Our friend Tom Johnson has moved his baby. One of the best music publications on the internet. He's turned it into a stunning physical journal, holding true to his form of in-depth music writing from the heart. Across more than 100 beautifully designed pages, it presents a space for music consumption and curation away from the incessant buzz of the internet via a series of conversations, recommendations, and personal essays. So far, the journal has spoken with the lights of Mitski, Sharon Van Etten, Big Thief, Jamila Woods, Lucy Dacus, Connor Oberst, and Phoebe Bridgers, Laura Stevenson, David Bazan, Charlie Bliss, The Mountain Goats, and so much more. It's available online and in select stores. There will be four issues of the Music Journal released throughout 2019, available to buy as a standalone copy or as a full subscription. For more information, go to goldflakepaint.co.uk or the Gold Flake Paint Bandcamp store, goldflakepaint.bandcamp.com slash merch. Use the discount code BETTERYETPOD for 10% off any order. That's BETTERYETPOD, all one word. Tom, good people. And this is not part of the copy, but he does this thing in Glasgow. He gets some heavy hitters to come over there, because it's not like Glasgow's the hybrid of uh of of journalism i'd like to get van etten in here she's always busy whenever she's in chicago i have tried um but knowing tom and seeing where his journey with the website has led him that leap into print is a bold move and i have a lot of respect for tom for making it it's tough trying to make money off of something you've spent so long giving away for free bringing us the Patreon! <laughs> That's the Better Yet Patreon! Uh, Patreon is a way for you to help support the show by pledging a monthly amount in exchange for bonus content, including playlists, original programming. Uh, we got a true crime podcast, haircuts and t-shirts, and once in a while, like I did this week, just drop the interview in there early. So, got all sorts of things. Postcards, coffee subscription, all available over there at patreon.com slash Podcast. All right. Woo. So much to talk about this week. 
And now my guest, Christina Michelle of Gouge Away. Gouge Away is a powerhouse band from South Florida who released a standout debut LP in 2016 called Dies, one that established Gouge Away as one of the flagship bands of a thriving hardcore scene in South Florida. As the profile of the band began to rise, some personnel shifts came, and the band would sign to Death Wish and make a record with Jeremy Balm of Touche More. Good guy. Didn't mind having him on here. Uh, sorry, I wouldn't mind having him on here. Jeremy Balm producing that record with Jack Shirley Engineering. What a freaking duo uh, for a record called Burnt Sugar, one of the best releases of last year. Burnt Sugar was a record very rooted in hardcore, but with a larger indie rock sensibility. Christina's lyrics, too, would shift into a more personal space. Songs about anxiety, depression, all these came together to make something really special. I was so looking forward to this interview. Funny story, right before Christina came over, I was having a quick meal and nearly choked on a bell pepper. Seriously. I, I've never, I've never experienced, uh, I've, I've obviously been, uh, choked up, but I was seriously calling 911. It was scary and sort of quaint now looking back at the health issues that have actually put me in the hospital recently. Uh, all that to build to an excuse for the audio this week. In my haste, I didn't set the recording properly. So this was recorded with the laptop microphone. Our friend Matt Jordan took some time to salvage it. It's not ideal, but it's still a good listen. Let's get to it. We'll start with a song. This is Only Friend, followed by my interview with Christina Michelle. got eyes chloe had eyes for it and then she said oh you know what i want that and lily mm. she she only had to see chloe moving towards it to be like no no no, i'm not dealing i'm not dealing with that oh. that's how it is those are the those are the pet politics of of this house and the and the coming house but yeah do you have any do you have any near-death experiences like mine that just happened where i almost choked to death on a green pepper because we could t- we could just know. talk more about mine because oh my god I saw I swear I saw the other side I saw, I was just I'm si- I'm sitting there I'm like oh my this thing it went in sideways I swear to God oh my god and and I'm like oh. I'm like this is this is it this is this is a very this is a very silly way to go but nobody's gonna be nobody's gonna be too sad 
at this at this funeral service that I'm envisioning in my head because you can't be oh, too sad yeah. about somebody who who died by choking in on a bell pepper yeah. in his early 30s. You just have to say, yeah, he was always kind of he was always kind of stupid. <laughs> if it makes you feel any better. Yeah. I mean, um, that's a nice consolation. When I was in middle school, someone died from choking on a hot dog. So Whoa. <laughs> There's that. You had a good laugh about that, right? I mean... <laughs> not, it's not, no, there's no, There's nothing to laugh about there. Except the fact that it was a hot dog. <laughs> yeah. That's so bad. <laughs> I remember one time, I used to watch a lot of Rescue 911. You remember Rescue 911 with William Shatner? Yeah. And I, I there was, they'd always have these... These moments where it would be a, a child in some sort of peril, and then the parent would be like, "I just wanted to trade places with them right then and there." And I remember there was a, <laughs> there was an incident on the playground. I think it was it was Susan Taft Borgo uh, hit her noggin on another noggin going down a group slide together, mm-hmm. and Susan was in our class, and everyone was worried. And I was like, I'm like. Who here just wants to trade places with Susan right now? And everyone's like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like, it's called empathy. You get it when you're a parent. <laughs> so where did you grow up? Um, in South Florida. Where, where about in South Florida? Like Fort Lauderdale. Okay. Yeah. Fort, <laughs> Fort Lauderdale's coast, right? That's the, that's the mm-hmm. Atlantic coast. Okay. I, yeah. I got, I got, my grandparents are in Sarasota. But we were, we were, they were Bay people. They were Gulf Bay people. Mm-hmm. But Fort Lauderdale is it? It's like, uh, is it like, how does it compare to Miami? Because Miami is a little bit further south, a little bit glitzier, right? Yeah, I would say Miami is a lot more loud. Yeah. Um, traffic's bad in all of South Florida, but Miami is like Unspeakable. kind of terrifying. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So what do your folks do? Um, my mom works in bar management. She just kind of oh, like okay. oversees a bunch of nightclubs. And then my dad works like with banks and stuff. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. What kind of what kind of nightclubs is your is your mom working? Are they like are they like cool nightclubs or are they kind of sketchy nightclubs? Uh both. Nice. Yeah. Very, it's... very both. <laughs> I love it. They're all they're, it seems like there's always something like a little bit underhanded about a nightclub. Mm-hmm. There's always oh, something yeah. going on in that back office. Oh yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. She she knows a lot of sketchy things that go on. I love that. Yeah. People <laughs> go to jail in her uh, world so yeah absolutely yeah, like fraud and stuff you have siblings <laughs> i have a sister yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is she older younger she's younger yeah yeah what, what's she up to um she just moved to nashville oh cool from florida and um she's looking for a job working in like museums and stuff oh that's awesome yeah it's really cool <laughs> yeah um and was there music in the house when you were growing up yeah my dad had played guitar since he was a kid. Uh-huh. Um, so we grew up around a lot of like classic rock, like playing really loud in the yeah. house and like live DVDs of whoever. And, right. 
Oh, we gotta watch VHS. this. We gotta watch this Zeppelin DVD. Yeah. Right. Uh huh. Yeah. Did you take to that stuff? Were you into it, or were you like, you like, mm, I don't know about this, Dad. Um, I kind of wanted to like pave my own way with music. Like he hated rap and yeah. pop, so I kind of just like naturally gravitated towards what he didn't like. Perfect. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so what rappers were you into when you were getting into it? Um, I don't know. I was a kid, so it was kind of just like whatever was right available. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And with my mom working in clubs, um, she would get a lot of um, CDs and stuff of the top 40 songs before they would be on the radio. Yeah. So I would get to like shuffle through all that which is really cool i never even thought about that the fact that they they not only are hitting up the radio stations but you gotta have those tracks in oh, the yeah. club there's there's a whole mm-hmm. world of that going on yeah i just i love pop music still yeah that. <laughs> do you remember when you were getting into punk yeah um probably around well like my my mom was kind of into punk she liked like offspring and stuff like that uh-huh. Um, no doubt, Nirvana. Um, so I kind of like grew up on that a little bit. We do like musical chairs and stuff to like Offspring songs. For real? <laughs> yeah. So it's like Winthorn Gleam and Glavin Gloven. That yeah. means start, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You just see original prankster comes around, and that's when you pull people's chairs out from <laughs> under them when they're trying to sit down. Yeah. Yeah, see, you know. <laughs> There's, like, a video of me jumping around in a playpen to, like, red out chili peppers and stuff. Yeah, for sure. You got all that all that bouncy bass stuff. Yeah. It's, it's music that's ideally for four-year-olds. <laughs> when you're listening to it after that, we've got to have a talking to. That's amazing because, like, everyone in our band loves red out chili peppers except me. Yeah. So... You should, you should talk to them about that. Uh, I, no, I'm, I'm talking to you about that. I don't, I don't give a shit about that band. It's like, like I was just hanging out with, I was just hanging out with people this year for WrestleMania. We didn't go to Orlando. We went to, we went to the Wisconsin Dells, which is, it, it's a lot like Orlando, but it's in the middle of Wisconsin. It's just indoor water parks and gift shops. Wow. It's, it's really weird and kitschy. But we rented a house, and we were like, "We watch WrestleMania there," and they're all into like they're all into watching Woodstock '99 videos on YouTube. Huh. And I'm like, I, I don't know, I don't know about some of this stuff. Yeah, I don't think it's I don't think it's carrying over the way you guys think it is. But you know, I'm sitting here being the hater. Everybody else is. <laughs> right. That's my opinion: is that the Red Hot Chili Peppers no good? They're still no good, and that's that. That settles it. But what what about like the uh, the I guess the, the more re- the more real like punk thing when when you're in high school like what yeah. were you getting into? Um, when I was probably in like middle or high school, I started getting my own like magazines and like samplers and stuff, and that's how I found like the first band I think that really like got me excited was Circle Takes a Square. Yeah, because um, it was just like I never heard anything All like rhythms, that. Right, <laughs> rhythms, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah, that kind of opened me up to like that world of music. Yeah, <clears throat> for sure. Did, when did you um did you play? Were you were you interested in in playing? Yeah, in middle school, I got into playing drums. Uh huh. 
Um, I have no idea why. I just like woke up one day and was obsessed and really, really wanted to play. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I just like saved up a bunch of money and my parents were kind of like, are you sure? Like my dad's like, I could teach you guitar. And I was like, no. Yeah. You can play, you can practice your guitar quietly. <laughs> I don't have to listen to like hours of that one fill that all the yeah, practice I want the loudest thing. Right. Totally. <laughs> like the whole neighborhood has to hear it. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So, so were, you, were you still playing then? Were you like, were you starting bands and stuff, playing drums? Yeah, just kind of like garage bands after school. Yeah. And it was like all we would do really like, that's like all we would spend our time doing was just learning covers and right yeah <laughs> was there was there a local scene then were you going to shows like would you ha- would they have shows in fort lauderdale or would you have to go like if, if circle takes square is touring <laughs> are you going to miami to see them or are you going to tampa to see them or are they are they playing in fort lauderdale um there is definitely a scene in fort lauderdale but a lot of bands don't want to like tour all the way down there cause right it's pretty far um, the first time I saw Circle Takes a Square was I had to go all the way up to Jacksonville, which is probably like seven hours. That's like Fort Lauderdale. that's like in the is that in the Panhandle? It's like basically um, Georgia at that point. Yeah, like for so sure. <laughs> I remember being on tour and we had a show in Gainesville and then we had a yeah. show in Pensacola. Yeah, and we were like, oh, cool. Yeah. It'll be a short drive. It's six and a half Forever. hours. It's a yeah. big ass state. The state is stupid. <laughs> yeah, and it, and it goes like far off too. Yeah. Like it goes so. You're almost in Texas. Mm-hmm. So so I mean, at this point, like South Florida, like it, it, it's high. People are talking about South Florida hardcore. When when did you feel like that was starting to to gain some traction was it always kind of happening and and we didn't know about it until 86 came along <laughs> um i would say so i think um the scene in south florida has always been really big um like a ton of people go to shows it's just always been a struggle with like keeping all ages venues open because yeah. the scene there is really young i would say um so having something all ages is super important and um, I think also with bands not really touring all the way down there, it's kind of hard to, like, build up a name for yourself when totally. no one is coming right, to, like, right. check you out. Yeah, you have to, you, you have to make it. You have, yeah. to, you have to do it, do it yourself. And, and, uh, and I guess, like, help to prop everything up. Help to, you know, make it feel like it's more than just, like, oh, well, these are the local bands because these are the only people in this area who play mm-hmm. music. Yeah. There's like a ton of bands and all different types of scenes too. And I think cause South Florida is so big, like Miami's like an hour from Fort Lauderdale or something. Like right. depending on what parts you're from, but, and then West Palm's another hour North of that. So it's just huge. <laughs> it can, right. Right. South Florida can kind of occupy a large territory, yeah. especially when you have motivated people that are willing to drive Mm-hmm. 45 minutes to an hour to go see shows that aren't just a touring band coming to town. Yeah, definitely. And did you go to college? Yeah, I went to FAU and Broward College. Oh, okay. Yeah. What's, what's FAU? Florida Atlantic University. Oh, okay. Yeah. And you study teaching? Mm-hmm. 
you were a kindergarten teacher, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> did you now? Did you know that you wanted to do that for a long time? Yeah. That's kind of a thing that you that mm-hmm. you just kind of my my. I just saw my cousins for the 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 holiday that just happened, and my cousin Blair has been wanting to be a teacher since she's five years old, and she's yeah. twenty three now, and she's finally doing it, and it's insane Mm -hmm. the way you're (laughs) just born wanting to do it yeah because i was weird (laughs) i was in the education program when i started in school and i wanted to teach like third grade Mm -hmm. um why why kindergarten we're going to talk about this if that's all right yeah i love it the education Mm -hmm. thing is it's interesting to me because i don't know when i started i was like well i'm the weird kid in in these classes and then I was a weird kid in every class so it's kind of a uh, it's a place where normal people go right a little bit yeah I was always like the painfully shy kid uh-huh um this might be why like I got into teaching just because the teachers were like encouraging I guess yeah especially when you're younger for sure so, yeah, I mean, right, you, you, you kind of have the, the experience of someone who, someone who was helpful for you, mm-hmm. and that's what you want to do, that's what you want to, that's what you want to go through. I'm interested in, in, you know, the way that your teaching life kind of shows itself in the early Gougeway records, like, there, there's <laughs> songs that are on there where I'm like, yo, fuck No Child Left Behind. <laughs> it's fucking terrible. <laughs> How long were you teaching? I was actually teaching for, like, three years, but I've always, like, had a hand in that ever since I was pretty young. Just yeah. Working at, like, preschools or daycares or subbing or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So when, when Gadgetway starts, were you still, you were still teaching, like, mm-hmm. when did you stop? Probably once we started touring pretty heavily, where I was like, I have to choose right now. Right. Um, but you have a couple years where, like, things are kind of starting for Gadgetway, and you're still teaching full-time. Yeah. Are you doing, like, <laughs> weekend gigs and maybe, like, a, you know... A short run of shows in the in the area and then like a spring break tour yeah and it's kind of funny because people are like well you have summers off and you have like spring break and stuff yeah if you're like a dedicated teacher you're working like during your time off right you're, you're spending all that free time on your classroom and at first I was like yeah I have the summer to do this and then once I realized how demanding it was I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I can't do both. <laughs> right. So, I mean, in in Florida, it's it's interesting just as a, as a state with no income tax. And I'm just wondering, I guess, from your from your perspective, like, you know, what, what kind of what kind of budget shit were you dealing with? Like, did you have money and were you able to, like, do a classroom the way you wanted to uh it definitely wasn't great (laughs) yeah um yeah I worked for like a a charter school Uh which I think probably some were a lot better than others but it was very pretty controlling where um 
the administration just had their hands on everything. And mm-hmm. whenever parents had to, like, volunteer in order to keep their kid in the school. Yeah. Um, but if you couldn't volunteer, you could also, like, spend money on the school. Which right. a lot of parents would do that because they're busy. And we wouldn't, like, see a lot of that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. It's... I would have, like, no glue sticks in kindergarten or, like, not enough whatever yeah paper to make copies and but we had this beautiful school with like all this technology all this all this shit on the outside yeah Yeah, and you can't and you can't freaking glue sticks you that's like that's a really important part for kindergarten Mm -hmm. um i need safety scissors in here so 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 what's going on i guess with with you at that time like um you're you're getting a little bit more involved with the scene and what's happening Mm-hmm. in in Fort Lauderdale in the the South Florida surrounding areas uh were you were you booking shows were you like what was your involvement I guess before you decided to start a band um yeah I started booking shows when I was like 16 oh wow <laughs> Yeah, I just... You passed <laughs> over that. We I'm were sorry. there. We were there. Uh-huh. Um, I started booking shows at a pretty young age just because, like, I cared so much. Like, once I started going to shows, I just was, like, 100% in. Yeah. And, like, totally invested. Um, but my friends, as they got a little older, kind of, like, grew out of it. So I felt like the only way I could, like, stay involved was to, like, really, really get involved. And, like, kind of meet new people that way and meet the bands and people who go to shows and other promoters and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> what about what about that experience, do you think, like, brings you to the point where you're wanting to do your own band? I think, Aside from the garage bands of, of oh, yesteryear. <laughs> I think um, after a while, like, I just made so many connections um, with DIY bands who were trying to play shows in South Florida, but I mean, well, they're not, com- coming down and making forty bucks and yeah, being like, "All right, we don't need to try that again." Not too many people are gonna take their chances booking some like DIY band from the middle of nowhere. Yeah. But like, I was that person. <laughs> yeah, so, sure. <laughs> um, I just made a lot of good friends that way. Like, even if the money wasn't amazing, it was they knew they could like come down, like, get fed, have a really good time, like, people would show up, and um, I made, like, some of my best friends that way who still, like, support us now, yeah. which is crazy. Like, like who? Um, my friend Aaron Hibbert, he just, um, I was booking his bands since I was a kid, uh-huh. and he, like, just trusted me like that, with that, um, he's from Massachusetts, and he just came out to our Boston show. Oh, that's awesome. I was like, how are you still supporting me right. <laughs> after all these years? That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, you know, there's that, <laughs> there's that aspect of, of going and doing shows where the, the money isn't great and the, you're eating fast food. And it's mm-hmm. like, if, if we're able to get like good levels on like these three necessities, even if one of them isn't peaking, mm-hmm. this is, this is good. And it sounds like it sounds like around that time too, there's, you know, people like John who who does 86 mm-hmm. and and then you also have these bands that are popping up, bands like Aljoy and and Day by Day. Mm-hmm. And 
eco strike and then all of a sudden <laughs> everybody's like oh we got to pay attention to south florida now yeah. was there was there any sort of did you notice any sort of shift or was it just kind of like we've been doing this for a long time and now people are paying attention to it i don't i don't know i i it's like south florida is this kind of funny place where um i think maybe because we're so far away it it feels like sometimes bands are happy to just like exist in south florida yeah and that's totally totally cool um and at the time it felt like just a small handful of bands were really trying to tour us included and Mm -hmm. um i don't know i don't know what happened but that's cool. <laughs> so what? So what? What makes it happen? I guess for for Gougeway, you start and and Mick is there. Mick's playing drums in yeah. the beginning, right? <laughs> yeah. You y'all have gone through so many different mm-hmm. personnel shifts. Is it that aspect of of you know that you want to tour, or does it even start there? Because I feel like there's one thing that's been really fun and and kind of fulfilling about looking at at your band is to notice make a demo people like the demo make a full length people like the full length you go on good tours you make a you make a good seven inch you make a good record it's this this organic growth Mm -hmm. that happens when you're starting out is there any expectation or is it just like i want to be in a band and I want to play a show and maybe do a tape. Yeah, it's literally that one. It was just like wanted to start a band, write some lyrics, play maybe a show, record a demo. Like that's all the expectations that any of us had. Yeah. <laughs> so how does it how does it happen? Then? I guess as, as, as people are as, as people are kind of paying attention, you're getting I guess invites into you know tours mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Does there does a divide form where some are willing and, and able, and then others are like, we were supposed to do a demo and play yeah. a couple shows. <laughs> I think that's definitely part of it. Um, we never like had any sort of plan. So when someone in the band wants to be a lawyer, that doesn't really like fit. Or, right. Like, I was supposed to be a teacher, but now I'm doing this, and people just have to kind of like make choices. The crazier it gets. <laughs> so it, it, does does Mick <laughs> see like a guitar player leave and be like, I always wanted to play guitar anyway. Yeah. Really, yeah. mm-hmm. I like I like the, <laughs> that shift kind of occurs because I I feel like you know as a band that's grown in doing more and making bigger records, you've also evolved sonically. Is mm-hmm. I mean a, that shift from Mick moving to guitar is is obvious, mm-hmm. um, and I feel like there's a point where Gajaway almost makes a line in the sand and says we're going to do different things now Mm -hmm. is that like your shared sensibility with mick or is it just that mick plays guitar differently than the previous guitar player um mick and i 
are pretty much the ones that started the band from the beginning. So yeah. me and him have always been more or less on the same page about what we wanted. And um, when we did do our first demo, which is hopefully impossible to find. It's not. Oh, cool. I got it. That's really cool. Why do you say that? <laughs> Um, I just feel like we weren't ready to, like, record, like... That's why ready. it's a demo. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, I don't know, I feel like just, um, with that, those, like, five songs, I don't even know, maybe six songs. Um, oh, I only got three, so maybe it's ooh, not there's the original older demo. older than that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I just got, I just got Focus Your Anger. I was like, oh, okay. Discog says that there's a tape before that it dies. One, I like to pretend doesn't exist at all. Uh-huh. Like, that, that didn't happen. Sure. <laughs> but, like, like, previous to that, our, like, first demo we did um, was pretty weird and all over the place. And, um... Him and I have always been on that same page, and I feel like when you write music that's more aggressive-leaning, a lot of people kind of just think hardcore. Um, Yeah. So when it came to, like, writing, like, dies and stuff, um, it was very, like, a a lot of back and forth about, like, well, this won't fit on a hardcore record, and this isn't hardcore. Sure. So a lot of things kind of... I don't know. <laughs> Didn't totally work out the way we wanted. Um, it's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting mm-hmm. to listen to because it's it's got these moments where you can see this band has you have such a an ability to do different things, and then there's kind of this old school hardcore thing that comes up in a lot of. Mm-hmm. places where it's like you know the shout along parts and mm-hmm. and and I'm listening to that and I'm and I think I'm seeing like that's where that part goes yeah but what's more interesting are the times when you have you know on enough there's this slow like dirge and <laughs> and this just real pummeling moment where it's it's just you can feel how slow it's moving and how uncomfortable it is. And it's like, that's exciting because pe- <laughs> people aren't necessarily doing that. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of like, <laughs> right. But, but, but yeah, it's like, it's like you're, you're making something and you're, and you're wanting to do it sort of based off of a model. And sometimes it's hard to leave that, especially when mm-hmm. you're doing your first thing yeah yeah for sure do you feel like the the scene that you were in was more vibing with the things that were straightforward and a little bit more familiar or were the moments of things being a little bit different a little bit hard to define were those the things that were that people around you were latching on to I'm not sure in that aspect. I know, um, I feel like in terms of the lyrics, people wanted the more, like, explicit, like, this song is about this, this right. song is about that, like, very F-U songs. <laughs> there are so yeah. many middle fingers on that yeah. record. Yeah. <laughs> you say it with this, this kind of, like, yeah, 
Do you look at it as as maybe being something that I mean? Do, do you do you feel like dies fits in? Maybe not quite as much as like the demo, but do you look at it and say like, yeah, all right, that was that was then. I'm a little bit more with what we're doing now. I think there's just a lot of um, there was a lot of like pressure involved in that record um, because we did have like these demos and. At first, I wasn't, I, I felt like the lyrics weren't super, like, explicitly, like, this song is about this, and if you listen to it, there's no interpretation, there's no room for, like, any interpretation at all, it's yeah. just, this is what it is, but um, on the older stuff, I was able to kind of, like, explain stuff more, like, at shows, and, like, just whatever, <laughs> like, it was about stuff that was important to me, but I could kind of write it my own way. Yeah. When there were no expectations. <laughs> uh-huh. And then um, once people started kind of like um, latching on to those ideas, it um, turned into more of like, well, why don't you have a song about this? Or why don't you have a song about that? Right. So there was just this pressure to be this like perfect, like 100% totally inclusive, like no mistakes, no one's left out. Yeah. Um, this like absolute embodiment of every ideal and yeah it's great that you have two songs about animal rights but why don't you have one song about animal rights and, and one song about this and yeah. it's like <laughs> I'm in a band I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm capable of doing this much for people I can lead them in the right direction I can't mm. be the you know just go freaking read bell hooks for fuck's sake right yeah i feel like my job is to write about what's on my mind yeah <laughs> not really like appease everybody um how did you get there which like, part <laughs> i guess i mean this this leads into into burn sugar a, a lot mm-hmm. um but was it is it tough to to put yourself in a in a place where it's like <laughs> okay, I got a lot on my mind. I need to, I need to let it out. Yeah. <laughs> how does that? How does that happen? Um, when writing Burn Sugar, I had panic attacks like all the time. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Um, just but like I also had a lot of like pep talks with myself too. Uh huh. Because I felt pretty strongly about that. Just like this is supposed to be about what I want to say. And even if I do, like, write a song, like, write songs that every single person in the world wants, like, no, I'm never going to make everyone happy anyway. So I might as well just get out what I need to get out. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, like, I definitely don't want to say, like, those topics aren't important or anything like that or that I don't feel the way that I've expressed. It's just... um, Writing a record and knowing that there's people waiting for it to come out to, like, pick it apart is, uh-huh. like, that's rough. <laughs> that's a whole nother set of panic attacks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I just feel like at this point, there's so many people from different perspectives that should be sharing their own, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah. trans people like you can turn to a band with trans members in it and like get those songs you're looking for it like if someone was like 
who's this cis girl talking about this stuff? I'd be like, right, I agree with you. Yeah, <laughs> like, totally. Who the fuck am I? Uh-huh. <laughs> and I feel like, you know, with the with the platform where it is now, it's mm-hmm. like, okay, yeah, that's a good cue for me to not be yeah, like, the face of things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Th- there is something that that I I did want to to touch on with dyes. I know we kind of moved into, into burn sugar, uh, but there's something in, in listening to that record. There's this deep intensity in the way that you scream. <laughs> and there, there are a lot of examples. Don't laugh. <laughs> I can't. <help> um, <laughs> exhibit clothes. When you say <clears throat> yell, so fuck off get out there's this <laughs> wavering shriek that happens mm-hmm. and when i listen to that i i just latch on to it so much because it feels so real and i feel like there's why are you laughing? why why is there cuz the instinct right is is to be like all right. Well, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna hit that note, I want it to go through. I don't want it to like dip. That's not mm-hmm. how it's. But the fact that it's left in there, <laughs> it feels intentional, right? Yeah. Um, you I, don't like the way that that came out. Um, I've learned to embrace it. Yeah. Yeah, because um, pre dies, um, I feel like there weren't a lot of like women that were doing that, that I could, like, look up to. Right. Like, there are some, of course, there were some, but there wasn't, like, a lot. So a lot of the people that I was listening to were, like, these men with, like, very harsh, like, strong voices, and I don't have that exactly. (laughs) So, like, when I came to recording and having, like, the shrieks and all that stuff, I'm like, oh, it's not supposed to be that way. Yeah. But... Yeah, the guys and, like, whoever we we would record with would be like, no, you have to keep it. It's great. And I'm just like, okay. <laughs> yeah, you can just you can just let it be. Yeah. I think that it adds so much. I think that, that especially when you're doing, like, <laughs> the topics that you're doing, there is such a strength and, like, a steadfastness mm-hmm. and a humanizing of all of that. I like that. I also like just being imperfect because, I mean, we're going to play the songs live and sometimes I'm going to be a little shrieky. So if you get it on the record, you won't be surprised. Right. It's like like it comes out in the moment and Mm -hmm. and that that moment is important. Sometimes it's like like you want something that plays through perfectly every time you go back and listen to it, but the capturing of a moment is – also a really really good way to go about recording a thing Mm -hmm. so i mean you go through like i guess the big personnel change after dies and then uh tyler and and tommy come in Mm -hmm. and they were in access Mm -hmm. and they are understanding that we're doing this this is how we want to do this band continue with it Mm -hmm. you go on and you go on tour with uh, with Touche and, and Ceremony, which is where Jeremy enters this story. Mm-hmm. Had you known Jeremy before? Kind of. I I just love Touche and Moore a lot. Fucking, they're so great. Yeah. 
So I would like see them uh-huh. every time they play Florida. If they played three shows in Florida, I was at all of them. Um, and he just got used to me yeah. being everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and and Secret Voice puts out yeah. Swallow and mm-hmm. Sweat. And there's, I mean, that's, that's such a, a line in the sand release. It's like, okay, we're this is a very different mm-hmm. sound. I feel like people sleep on the fact that seven inches and, and short releases give you that ability to do something a little bit yeah, different. To kind of like test the waters a little some bit. Stuff in, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> um did you feel like it it was helpful for you as a band moving forward, feeling like, okay, yeah, cool, we can do mm-hmm. something that sounds like this. Yeah, I think dyes to burn sugar would be a little too much night and day, maybe. Yeah. Um, Swallow's actually kind of, the seven inches kind of funny because Swallow was like the end of the past lineup and Sweat was the beginning of the new lineup. Oh, interesting. So it literally just like flips over. It's wow. really weird. We like figured that out on another interview we did. Wow, that's crazy. How symbolic. <laughs> yeah. You meant to do that, right? I totally meant to do that. <laughs> so how does how does Jeremy come to be in, in the producer role? We ask his advice on everything all the time. Yeah. I almost feel kind of bad <laughs> about it. I mean, he doesn't care. He's amazing. But uh-huh. I'm like, I'm going to text you at 3 a.m. and ask your opinion on this tour. Well, it's 12. <laughs> it's midnight for, yeah. for him, so it's cool. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> but um yeah we just like he's been involved in so much already and he kind of bridged the gap between us and death wish anyway if it wasn't for him doing the seven inch i don't know if we would have been introduced to death wish yeah so it was kind of something that trey from death wish he got the idea of why why doesn't jeremy do this and then we're like oh yeah that'd be great <laughs> i love the bit in the in the zine where you talk about Jeremy had never produced a band before. Y'all never been produced. Yeah. So it's kind of nice to have that relationship where you can kind of figure it out together. And it's yeah. something that you're comfortable with. I feel like there was like a lot of understanding for that reason too, since it was everyone's first time. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't want to like hurt anyone's feelings or like step on any toes or whatever. Uh-huh. I talked to <laughs> Elliot over the summer. I heard that one. Sweetest person of yeah. all time. <laughs> what I liked about talking to him was kind of gaining the perspective that Jeremy is somebody who understands so much of like the, you should do this split with this band because it's good. And I feel like mm-hmm. him in that role where I, I think it's disassociation where you talk about Jeremy being the one that's like, this, you have to make this song drag um, out longer. Ghost. Ghost. Yeah, yeah, he was very adamant about that. Yeah. That sort of thing. It's like, it, it's good to have somebody who is there that's just mm-hmm. like, I feel what you're doing here. Go for it all the way because it's going to work. Because it's it can be tough, especially when even, even though you're trying to break away from where you were, you still... Oh, Lean yeah. a little heavy on, on your past mm-hmm. and your choices. Definitely. We were very, we wanted to experiment and we try to act like 
we didn't care what people thought, but there were a lot of times where we were like on the more reserved side. And I think Ghost is was one of those where we were like, we want to do this, but we're going to do it really, really fast. <laughs> yeah. Like, get out of the way. Slow down. Yeah, Slow and down. Jeremy's like, no, we got to make that song longer. <laughs> so can we talk a little bit more about the summer you were having, or not the summer, but I guess, yeah, it's a, <laughs> yeah. Dies is in the fall, and then you have summer vacation, and then burnt sugar is, is year two. No. Okay. Um, <laughs> but... It, you're having you're having panic attacks. You're having a lot of this a lot of this shit that's going on onto the record. Like, uh-huh. it's it, it it sounds like you're obviously singing about a lot of personal things, and and I guess when there's so much tumult happening, how can you not be right? Mm-hmm. Is it? Can we like what was what was going on? You, have you have you figured out the the panic attack stuff? Uh, not really. No. <laughs> no, I just like talk to friends yeah. a lot who can relate to that. Yeah, for <clears throat> sure. Um, is being on tour good? Are you are you like centered? <laughs> it's both. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, especially because. Um, when Burnt Sugar was, like, about to be released, and all we knew was the Drug Church tour was going to happen. Yeah. Like, that was it. We were like, okay, we're going to be on for a month. And then right away, Culture Abuse, like, snuck in this other tour right before that. And then since then, it's just been a tour every single month. And we're in April. And we're still touring every month, at least until July. Um, so that's kind of hard sometimes, like, not being in a perfect mental state and kind of thinking like, oh, I'm going to get a break. And then it's like, no, no, (laughs) No. (laughs) I love it. I definitely love touring and playing shows and all everything involved in it. It's just, um, I like my bed a lot. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Like being able to not have to like sit in a certain position so that, you don't slouch all the time yeah. and your back doesn't hurt. Mm-hmm. It's interesting taking in taking in that record and, and knowing that you're coming from a place where you were so topical before and and, mm-hmm. and now you're kinda having to say like, No, this is this is where I'm this is where I'm at, like as a songwriter. Also like I, I can't be I can't be singing the same types of songs with this music now it would feel so strange (laughs) but i get so much of a communication of even though your politics aren't there the anxiety and Mm -hmm. and it's it's hard to not think of anything as as being political and and hearing that it's like yeah of course i feel it every day when i wake up and look at my phone yeah i think Mental health, too, is just such an important topic in general. That was, like, um, a reason for me to go forward with it, too, was that I was, like, I feel like it's important. So it might not be, like, fuck Trump. Right. <laughs> but, you know. You can say that in between songs. <laughs> I can, yeah, I can yeah. say whenever I want. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess you... 
you go across the country, you make a record with Jack Shirley. Jeremy Bolm is producing it. It's coming out on Death Wish. Is there a moment when you're thinking, oh my God, everyone's going to find out that this was a bad investment? <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know if it was super uh, like that, but there was definitely a lot of doubt. Yeah. Def- I still have a lot of doubt. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> we were playing last night and during our set like while we're playing I'm just thinking like playing shows is weird like why do people <laughs> why are people standing here watching us right now like yeah why why are we doing this how, <laughs> how is this like why am I the person standing here with the microphone this is weird you say it so many times that it starts to sound weird right yeah yeah so, I mean, it, sound, it sounds like, to, to a certain extent, too, when you're in there and you're doing this thing, you're doing it for 10 days straight or whatever, you, it's kind of tunnel vision. Mm-hmm. You're making it. Recording. And yeah. Stuff. Yeah. That oh, thing yeah. sounds so fucking good. <laughs> I mean, I, I obviously listened to it a lot when it came out. But listening to Dies and then listening to that and just being like, oh, my God, the warmth on this fucking thing. <laughs> that guy makes good records. Yeah. Holy shit. And I love, too, just how dialed in it is and how stray. It's, it's such a deliberate tempo. Mm-hmm. And then none of these songs, like, attack in the same way. You've got, you've got songs that are built around a drum line. You got songs that are faster, and you got a couple of very clear cut, like, oh, yeah, that's the song that you play for somebody when you're like, check out this record. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> but, like, going, you, you talk about it in Subtle Thrill, this, um, this commodifying of, mm-hmm. of where you're at and your state, and uh, how, how is that? play out I guess when you're when you're in that space when you're making this record and you're you're putting it all out here these songs about you know harm and and sickness and Mm -hmm. all of these all these tough things there's this this method acting aspect to it are you having a good time or, or, or are you I guess are you still like feeling that sentiment in different places that's the line of that record that really sticks out to me. Is that heard is a is a commodity, and yeah. I, I think about My that sort of thing a lot. Yeah, or hates it. I don't know. She feels strongly about it. Yeah. <laughs> she got wine drunk one day. I think it was on Christmas, and was like, "That line, that's hard to hear." Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, <clears throat> if this isn't if this isn't overstepping, you know, I, I read mm. that the fed up is is about. Your mom, is, is, is she doing okay? How is My everything? mom's doing great. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. What was going on? Um, so she was having like heart issues. Yeah. Um, that lasted probably a year, maybe two years. Um, but she was constantly being like misdiagnosed, so we would have to go to the ER like 
I went to the ER three times in two days oh, at one point. Yeah. And, um, yeah, they would just think it was, like, a stomach ache or, like, whatever. Like, right. Just give her, like, not the right care at all. Um, and then we found out that, like, her heart valve was, like, leaking and stuff. Jesus. So, yeah, she had to have, like, real heart surgery. And um, during, like, that whole experience... She was, like, being monitored and stuff and told she could, like, go to work and all these things and live a normal life. Um, but then she got in a car accident. Um, she, uh, like, passed out when she was driving because oh of her condition. Yeah. Yeah, and she, like, passed out on the highway, and that was a whole mess. She was fine from that, but, yeah, there's just a lot of, like, PTSD involved in, like, Driving by yourself oh my God. and yeah. like surgery and all this stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, it was just a lot, a hard couple of years. And that, that, <laughs> that period of like, of, of not knowing mm-hmm. and, and like coming back and say, no, like this is still happening. Like mm-hmm. Almost that, that, that feeling of like, you know, wanting to shake somebody and say, listen, like this yeah. is, this isn't right. <laughs> this, this needs to be checked out oh yeah (laughs) yeah i'm a pretty soft-spoken person but it was getting to a point in the hospitals where i was like what's going like i'm not leaving until we know what's up (laughs) wow i'm I'm glad to hear that she's doing good um yeah it's like a friend of mine from from high school her mom just passed away and this this woman was sick for just 12 years Mm -hmm. just like you know cancer that went and 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 came back like four or five times and it's just like the amount of time you spend just not being able to like get comfortable Mm -hmm. with things being okay Mm -hmm. yeah it was one of those where like every time we would get good news something bad would happen it's just like a cycle of that yeah. yeah, it's rough. <laughs> and, it, and you you put so much into this record, and it, and it comes out. And it sounds so great, and then it does well. It <laughs> it does it does well in a, in a lot of different circles. And I I I think I was really taken with you know as the end of the year thing is is happening. And listening to, you know, how much Stereo Gum loves this record and then also <laughs> how much Axe to Grind loves this record. Yeah. <laughs> I guess were you surprised in in the fact that it 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 feels like making a record like that, you run the risk of <clears throat> maybe new people like this, but if that's gonna happen, that's mm-hmm. probably gonna come at the expense of oh, everybody yeah. who liked us before. Oh yeah. I we were expecting it to be pretty polarizing. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just, it's just everybody likes it. For the most part. That's fucking wild. That's weird. I read some bad things on the internet, but that's okay. (laughs) None of those people matter. I know that they matter like so much, but. (laughs) I just try to be mature about that stuff and. People don't have to like everything. I definitely don't like everything. Yeah, that's so, a good thing. Yeah, that's a good okay. thing to have. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> I feel like it's we're in this cycle now. It's kind of just to like timestamp this. 
Be- the Beyonce <laughs> record. I'm sorry if I'm gonna if I'm gonna like talk upset. about Beyonce so much. Uh, <laughs> she put a record on Spotify that came out two years ago. I know. Who like who? It's just like nobody is willing to say a negative thing about this person. <laughs> I don't give a shit. I listened to that record when it came out. I, I was on a plane. I liked it. It's like, it's, could someone just say something negative about someone? Could someone critique this person who can just do no wrong at this point? This pop star? It's perfect. Oh, yeah, I know. Sorry. I know. I know. I'd say it's, it's okay. Hate to break it to you. Um, <laughs> your South Florida people liked it too. They still they still give any love or they uh, they like I don't know. I don't oh my know, god, yeah, that's South great. Florida's been surprising because it's like we spent so much of our career was based in Florida, and I mean I was like, oh, we're gonna put out this new record, and everyone's gonna be like, oh, screw them, whatever. Uh huh. But we played Miami like a month ago, and people went crazy, and I, I didn't see that coming. I don't know. That's so awesome. That's so cool. Yeah, it's cool. That's so freaking that's the freaking big city down there. And I live in Orlando now. And so it's kinda like we have two homes. And yeah. People just like have been embracing us there too. It's that's so great. Yeah. That's it's so cool. great. It's I, relieving. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And you can just kinda it's I it's been so nice to just listen through your band so many times these past few days and and to to see the steps that you that you've taken mm. and to see the growth that's happened and so organically and it, it's uh god just it filled me up <laughs> with a lot of good things thank you so much for coming last interview in this space oh it's over already it is Thanks so much. Thank you. All right. <laughs> cool. You have a good time? Yeah. All right. Hey, great stuff. The journey from this pillar of a hardcore band expanding and creating something that appeals not only to a larger audience, but to that same original audience as well. Rare that one can happen without it coming at the expense of the other. But Burnt Sugar, I mean, you can't fucking argue with this thing. Galgeway has been very busy since this record dropped and will likely remain that way until the next record comes along. It's inspiring to see a band that pushes the way they do, taking advantage of the opportunities that have been given to them. A lot of good to take from this interview. Thank you to Christina for coming by. Check out Galgeway online. GougeAwayFL.bandcamp.com. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, rate us, write a review. The website is betteryetpod.com. Support the show on Patreon, patreon.com slash betteryetpodcast. We're on Bandcamp, betteryetpodcast.bandcamp.com. We'll take you straight to all of God's money, our compilation and tribute to Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, all to help AIDS Foundation of Chicago. Encourage you to go over and pick up a pre-order. We'll be dropping that on July 10th. It's a Wednesday, so we'll also be here with a special episode of the podcast. Looking forward to it. Thank you so much for coming by this week and every week. No compilation exists without all that you have given to me over the past three years. Thank you for helping 
to make it happen. Thanks to Christina for coming by. Thanks to Matt Jordan. Thanks to Shannon Schreback, Chloe, Lily, Laura Stevenson taking it home. We'll see you in two weeks. Thanks, Bubba's. Jesus, don't cry. You can rely on me, honey. You can combine anything you want. I'll be around. You'll write about the stars. Each one is a setting sun. Escape singing sad, sad songs, tuned to chords, strung down your cheeks, bitter melodies, turning your orbit around. Don't cry, you can rely on me, honey. You can come by anytime you Cigarette.